Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and as always, I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what's new in your world? Well, first of all, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. Why has that been? Uh, one, it has to do with our, I wouldn't say really laziness, but our inability to actually start recording the podcast. And I was at camp, and then we've been in Florida, so... Yeah, I think uh, I think all three of those things you just mentioned are contributing factors. Uh, do you want to talk about camp? Uh, yeah. Uh, camp was actually a lot more fun than I thought it would be. I went to this place called Camp Glisten, which we, it was uh, specifically a hiking camp. We hiked seven miles on one day, and that was possibly like I wanted to die by the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was very like there was barely no stops really, so we we're just walking and was, walking. Was it really and hot? And when you took the backpack off at the end, it's just oh, oh, we're wearing. Uh, our, our counselors told us it was fifty or sixty pound backpacks, and when you took them off at the end, it's just you could fly. <laughs> yeah, it felt good. Yes. Was it hot or did like the shade and the canopy kind of make it cooler? It was the hot, the heat wasn't uh, the problem. The problem was the bugs. Oh, well, yo, yeah. Insects were on every inch of my body. Now, even the we gave you, we sent you with, like, you know, extreme DEET-influenced uh, uh, bug spray. Did did it not work? Did you not put it on? What was the, what was the story there? It, it, was a, it must have been a malfunction. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But you had a good time. Yeah. What's new in your world? Uh, new in my world. Well, we're getting ready to go out of town to go visit uh, Peggy's uh, dad and stepmom, and we're going to San Francisco, California, which is uh, a city I have not been to maybe ever. I was born about an hour south of there near Monterey, California, but my mom moved when I was really young, so I don't have any adult memories. Uh, I think you guys went out there a few years ago, and I couldn't. But uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm I've not done the proper planning as I usually do with these things, so it doesn't. I feel a little bit unprepared for the trip. But at the same time, we're visiting family, and they live out there, and they know what they're doing. So I think we'll be in good hands. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much excited for that. Yeah, me too. All right, what movie are we talking about? Spider Man. Is he close by? No, he's far from home. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Far, far from, from Home This is the last movie In the uh, phase Three Yeah phase three of the MCU And I really thought it was the first movie of phase four But clearly I was uneducated on the subject That's alright I feel dumb now not a, uh, not a crime to be ignorant Only a crime to remain so so, yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. This movie is directed by John Watts and written by Chris McKenna. Um, so this is interesting because, you know, obviously Endgame was a huge deal. Uh, the whole, you know, film world kind of revolved around it for a while. Certainly the Marvel Universe was... Incredibly impacted and changed. And this is our first glimpse at the world after Endgame. And it seems surprisingly, because these kind of, I wouldn't say minor movies, but less so movies to the movies that happen in near the beginning of the year, it's more comedy-based. Yeah, I noticed that too. And like it, 
really seems like it goes from like very dramatic in Avengers Endgame to oh yeah, it's the blip. They just all disappeared for five years. We're fine with that now. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the, how they establish what the world looks like and what it is in this post Endgame era. What did you what did you think of how they showed us what the world was like? Well, they showed us it in this kind of high school news broadcast where they complained about having to restart the year and we got a clip i i thought that a clip of uh band reappearing in the middle of a basketball game yeah spoilers of course always oh, sorry yeah. we should have said that earlier uh yeah so one of the first things we see is this tribute video and it's a little cheesy it's a little not great made and so in my head i thought well this doesn't feel like this video was made by like marvel no, 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 you know, no, no. But it was At made first, by like, high the schoolers. first clip. I thought that like, and you could like, we didn't notice this, but you could see Getty Images watermarks on all the yeah, which I thought was pictures, very cool. Which was yeah, it was very clever. But they do a lot of exposition that's kind of crammed in there, but it felt felt real. Yeah, I know. I thought I thought it was very smooth. It was very good, and the two like uh, actors who hosted the high school show were great. One thing was interesting because we, you and I, had talked about this, you know, off. Uh, a microphone you know what does it mean for the people who come back and I love how they handled that how you know they talked about how you know one guy's younger brother was now his older brother so but, if you were uh, blipped out of existence you did not grow you just were frozen and then you came back as you were then basically so that was the whole, the whole five year period was called known as the blip yeah which is really I didn't enjoy the name at first but I think the blip works uh, and I thought it was cool, like you said, how they came back during the middle of like the basketball game. You know, the guy's playing his trombone and gets run into. I think it was a trombone. And if it was a trombone, that's probably an homage to the big uh, Stanford University of California football game in the back in the 80s when the band ran onto the field and the game was still going on, though, and a guy gets with the trombone gets kind of clobbered. Ah. Um, well, maybe, maybe that is. That's I bet it is. I bet it is. Of, of you. But something I didn't explain, which has always been my big question, what happened to people who now, what happens to infrastructure that's been built that people are now like halfway through a wall? And what happens to people that were snapped out of existence in a plane? Do they just fall to their death? Yeah, there's a billion little things like that that luckily the only the nitpickiest of, uh, of viewers will be, will be slamming them home for, I think. But you're right. I mean, that's the you could really come up with a ton of scenarios where that that would be a nightmare. You know, think about it. You're on a plane, and all of a sudden, then you're just falling through the air because you're back. Uh, that would be bad. But <laughs> I'm sure you, it happened. Yeah. How did you feel about our villain? How did I feel about our villain? So let's so since you know we the spoilers are here. So at first, I was underwhelmed with our villain because I thought that our villain was. The uh, the three was it four, uh, three or four, four elemental elementals. creatures. We only got to see three of them. The four of them existed. Yeah. So at first, I was kind of underwhelmed with our with our with our villain. Uh, to me, I thought it was interesting how the movie starts. Uh, you got to meet Jake Gyllenhaal. He defeats this thing, one of the elementals. Is that right? Elementals. Elementals. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, I guess for that whole section, the beginning section, I was I was a little bit underwhelmed. Oh, so was I. Like this. This movie begins very weak to me. Like the movie only really starts until Edith is given to Quentin Beck. I other I, 
uh, previously it felt just wasn't really into the movie. And maybe well, that's because I already suspected that Mysterio was the real villain. But yeah, it just felt weak. Yeah, so you you suspected you had seen somewhere or read somewhere uh, that this could be possibly the case that Mysterio is always generally a villain and one of the main villains for Spider-Man. So it seemed odd that the trailer made him out to be a co-conspirator or a or a hero with him. And you had told me that. So while we're watching this first part of the movie, I was you know wondering do I really is Mysterio really a good guy or is he a bad guy? And I think we kind of, I mean, you usually don't steer me wrong on these things, so I kind of knew he was a bad guy. And I think that it really colored the way I saw the movie, to be honest yeah. with you. I wish I did not know that going in. And since your mom has not seen it yet, and we're you know, able to keep that a secret until, until she listens to this, um, we'll tell her not to listen to it until she's seen the movie. I'm curious what that experience, like not suspecting, because I don't think, I didn't know, but I did suspect the Mysterio was not the uh, not the hero he appeared to be. Uh, let's rewind just a little bit, though. So, what is so Spider Man? His main image, his main thing in this movie, is to go on this European vacation trip with his classmates and tell Mary Jane, not Mary Jane, MJ, uh, how he feels about her. What did you think about that whole kind of romantic premise and the interplay between uh, Tom Holland's character? Uh, Peter Parker and his best friend and then MJ and all that kind of stuff. That was all, it was very hilarious. It was very reminiscent of the first movie. They all have like, seem to have this great relationship and I can believe the awkwardness of Tom Holland and the awkwardness of Zendaya. So it was just, it was laughs almost the whole way. Yeah, it was, it was one of those, it was just incredibly awkward moments. Yeah, several of them where I was just incredibly uncomfortable during the movie, which means they did a good job of it, yeah. even if I didn't enjoy it. Um, so, of course, um, I you know I agree with you that the movie really, really picked up once the whole plan of Mysterio was, is out. It was expositions to us by way of toast, but it done in a great way. It never felt like it didn't. Again, exposition is, it has to happen. Yeah. You know, the question is just how skillfully you do it. And I thought it was skillfully done in the intro video, and I thought it was skillfully done in the toast. Maybe there were a couple of moments where oh, I was yeah. like, okay, okay, you know, well, I know what you're doing, but man, it could have cut yeah, back like, a little bit. Hey, people that already know your job, let me tell you what your job is again. Well, right, but that's what, I mean, having given those kind of speeches before in real life, you know, you do that. You know, you, you make sure everybody in the room knows how special blank person is because blank person does this and this is how it affects the organization so it wasn't it wasn't too much for me and i also felt the different villains i guess the group the mysterious the way each like one character was one of the scientists that obadiah stain was uh, yelling about in the first movie and one of them was they're all one of them was the inventor of barf from Captain America: Civil War, yeah, I, I so love. It's cool how they all tied in to different parts of the MC and how they showed parts of it. Like that was really cool to me. I loved that part, especially with that scene. It was great to see that scene with Obadiah staying again because he is such a great uh, presence of force. And he's like, you know, he did it in the cave. You know, like it's just such a good scene. Tony Stark did this in a cave with a box of scrap. Yeah, you know. So I love that because he was just so so effective. Um. So let's let's talk about some of the actors and and what they were doing in the movie. Uh, 
how do you are you liking Tom Holland as Spider-Man? Oh yeah, I love Tom Holland. Like most people ever in existence, Tom Holland is amazing to me. And also just a normal funny dude out of acting and I think it shows on screen too. Yeah, I thought I think he's pretty great. He's my favorite of the Spider-Man that I've seen. Um do, do you have a ranking of those? Have you did you see any of the Tobey Maguire ones? Do you have not did you actually any, see a full not movie? Not any of them all the way through. Okay, so you can't... Well, I mean, if you saw you know, most of one, I think you'd probably have a sense of whether you would like him better. I mean, I don't. Tom Holland's the best Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, I agree. I agree with that. What are you with Diego Zendaya, the MJ, the love interest? She's also great. Both of them are very like funny when it comes to real life. and it, but Yeah, but for both of them, it shows on yeah. the screen. I don't know anything about real life, but uh, I, I, I dug them both. I, you know, honestly, everybody I think is was pretty well cast. Uh, what about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he has this very commanding like presence whenever he's on screen because he shows like so much charisma. It also seems so intimidating when he actually does villainy villain stuff. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen him in a film where I thought, oh, there is a. A real adult. There's a real presence there. I guess I'm used to seeing him in, you know, some of the stuff that he did when he was younger. And he never, like, I was, I was reticent about his casting because I don't see him as being that full kind of lead actor who can who can carry like a big, you know, alpha role like that. But I thought he was great. He's weathered. A little bit. He's older. He was experienced. He had just wonderful calmness about him that I thought was excellent and played well against you know the teenagerness of uh, Tom Holland. Uh, it was really he was really enjoyable to watch as an actor. Uh, what about uh, anybody else? Who did you? What did you think? What did you think of the whole the the changing of the glasses thing is both a symbolism thing with uh, Iron Man and also as a as a plot device. Did you think that worked? Uh, yeah. It. That, yeah. Again, with with the like symbolism of becoming like the new Iron Man, and just the powers, and it's a great MacGuffin because it has like emotional value from being uh, Tony Stark, and both of them want that, and it also has actual like powers, which both characters want that. Right. Uh. How did you like the whole rom- romance triangle between uh, the tall dude who became a stud during the blip and, you know, Spider-Man and MJ, that kind of thing? Was that compelling to you? What did you think of that other character? Uh, were you interested in that? Did you know how it was going to end? I mean, you could kind of suspect how it's going to end. Also, with a name like Brad. <laughs> You don't mess with a guy with a, the name like Brad is obviously going to be in that position. I don't even know what Brad. that means. It's what do you Brad. mean? You've seen Brad's. You know how Brad's act. I don't know any Brad's. I think of Brad's as kind of... See, because Brad's don't exist. You only know about Brad's from movies. If when I think of Brad, Brad, now I think of that exist. commercial, You're the fake. insurance commercial, where she's like, you loved Brad, you know, your car. You bought Brad. You picked him out, and then Brad was totaled. And you do <laughs> happy now, whatever. Um... That's what I think of, so I don't really know any Brad's. But yeah, I felt 
great. I feel like that would be like this nerdy kind of high schoolers kind of villain. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little his bit name about is Brad. Let's talk a little bit about the this sequence that occurred. You know, for three fourths through the film, a big battle between Mysterio and Spider Man that I thought was uh, just some of the coolest visuals we've seen out of any Marvel movie, really. Uh, it reminded me of the fun they had with Doctor Strange as far as, like, the kind of the dream sequence or the mirror realm. Uh, for this, it was, you know, basically Mysterio messing with Spider-Man and trying to defeat him and, you know, and, and temporarily defeating him. Uh, did you dig that? Did you lose interest? What did you, oh, what did you think? Do you know what I'm talking like about, the, even? Yes. So the, yeah. the entirety of that whole sequence that whole scarecrow's fear gas type of thing oh yeah good sequence i mean you didn't even know what was real like when nick fury showed up at the end but it turned out it was actually just mysterio got the information i was so like oh my god this guy's a real villain that was such a cool per- touch like, to have like it kind of felt like oh this is, he's unbeatable he yeah just, he scared me he scared me watching this fictional movie when they had maria hill kind of disappear and like you know th- that was a great touch because then you're like oh well now now we now we can believe things but no you can't yeah and now like even when like with the first nick fury it's like oh wait he seems disbelieved by that well but he's fake too like ah, uh, exactly i thought scary. that was i thought that was pretty darn cool um, let's talk. You want to talk about the end credit things now? Oh uh, yeah, let's do that. Because let's talk about the the, the first I, the mid credit scene where, but first we get to see like oh happy ending him and MJ are finally together. It's like oh that's it's so right great. what a great end. And then the J Jonah Jameson broadcast with J.K. Simmons being back in the role. I love that. I love that they chose him to bring him back. I like the fact that they're changing the uh, Daily Bugle. From you know this kind of old boring newspaper to this kind of Infowars type, uh, you know blog and website and shouting match kind of thing. And <laughs> shouting match. Uh, I thought that was really cool, um, and I thought the way they did the video uh, worked really well too with like manipulating the video with the final moments with Mysterio. And you got to see the uh, person who Obadiah Stane was yelling, at, "Get away!" with this information and tech on a hard drive that's right maybe that's what they use too and if you look at edith too think of even dead i'm the hero yeah that's very cool chills down your back because even dead he mysterio's the hero did you believe uh you know peter parker was going through all these kind of questions of leadership and missing iron man and not knowing what to do did that did you buy all that uh yeah i would because tony stark was kind of like a father type figure to uh peter parker and you could see it like with the other movies where he's like still like even before he died like addressing him as mr stark like they he did never spider-man never saw him on tony's level he was uh he was always under and tony was tony iron man and he was peter parker the teenager so i could buy that he was scared by this because even when he was alive, he never really saw himself on his level. What do you think about the uh, the fact that his kind of spider sense kind of left him a little bit? Or I Peter Tingle is what they called it. That was kind of like great because it, one, it shows like for lack of confidence. And if you remember in Infinity War, when like his death was so 
much sadder because of the spider sense. Like he could sense that like the end is near. Yeah, so he kind of he kind of so knew like, it before it was coming, which gave it extra time to be terrified. So I I buy that he's not using it or it's not working anymore. And they didn't really explain how it comes out of that, did they? Or did you get a sense I think of like what makes more it finally like work going again? Going into like more confidence, like Happy Hogan with his rousing speech, because John Favreau is amazing. Yeah, hey, uh, John Favreau. Uh, kind of, I guess, puts him out of this lack of confidence and fear. You know, it's interesting. In one of the first three Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, and I don't remember which one, there was one of the movies where his powers just stopped working. And uh, Spider-Man 2, when he gives up. I think that's because he, like, willy- willfully gives up the mantle of Spider-Man. He doesn't want these powers or this responsibility anymore. Well, it was never explained in the movie, but maybe that's maybe that's maybe you know a clever viewer can pick that up. Well, I I know um, I, I'm I'm still sure that's their fault. I know they didn't explain it, so they probably should have done that. Well, all right, I know it was kind of cool that they didn't. Also, too, like it was just made it you know interesting. So I was wondering if that was part of like the Spider-Man canon of the comics. If that's is his powers going away is something that usually happens. I have no. Because even though his full powers didn't go away, he definitely lost the uh, the Peter Tingle, as they said. Uh, okay, so we got you know happy ending, and then what? Is, what does uh, Jonah Jameson tell everyone? That Spider-Man was doing what Mysterio was actually doing, controlling these drones, these monsters, and names Mysterio, the greatest hero of all time, and Spider-Man as Spider-Menace. Yeah, and what does he reveal? Doesn't he reveal? Oh that yeah, thing? oh yeah, that uh, Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Right. So boom, Peter Parker's out there. So now his whole high school, everybody knows who he is. And again, because this is current day and time, you know, it's going to be, you know, digital news travels very quickly. Uh, so that's pretty revolutionary and exciting for an end of, for a mid-credit reveal. What about the uh, the end credit? What was that? Or we find out that Maria Hill for this movie, Maria Hill and Nick Fury were actually. Scrolls, and then we get to see Nick Fury on this scroll ship, probably glimpsing some like out of world conflict. And we also see Marie, um, you can't see me doing quotes, but scroll Maria Hill, well, Talos, and the other scroll lady I can't remember the name of, as these two figures talking about Cree sleeper cells. And that goes into my theory for, my, for the future of the MCU, which I'll save for a later date. So Looking back on the the first part of the movie, knowing that Nick Fury is not really Nick Fury, it does make a little more sense because part of the thing that I felt was wanting in the beginning of the movie or the first kind of battles with the elementals was just a lack of plan. And they were like going towards, you know, asking Spider-Man to come up with this plan, really. Or what are we doing next? Even though it's Nick Fury who should be planning it or... You have Mysterio, who is, you know, supposedly, you know, defeated most of these people beforehand. It just felt there was a lack of um, a cohesion in the team. And part of it, I think, makes sense because that was not Nick Fury. And with also the quote of, like, he's from your Earth or your world, just, oh, he's from Earth, but just not, he's from your 
earth, but not yours, not, not, not ours, not yours. Right. And it also make the whole uh, don't invoke her name when when he oh, mentioned when where's he Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> don't like I name. thought that was made it also very cool. Looking back on it, um. So overall, I I I dug this movie. I didn't love it, but I really liked it. I had fun. I mean, it's hard to judge it coming off of Endgame, which to me was really pretty perfect. Um, what did you think? I mean, you're, I agree with you that it's pretty hard to judge it. This is worse. This is the worst Marvel movie of the year, which shows how good Marvel is because this movie's still pretty good. But when rating it, like it's hard to forget like the beginning and how weak, at least I felt it was. Okay, so do you want to? When you said you want to save your predictions for MCU, is that another show, or do you want to talk about what do you think is going to happen now? Is because the first Phase Four movie would be Black Panther. Well, sequel, I don't think correct? we know it's going to be Black Panther two, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure oh, okay. it's Black Panther two. This is the first time for the past like two years I've known what Marvel movie comes after which one and close to the dates in which they are released. And this is the first time in which I really have no idea what's happening next. All right. So it sounds like we should have maybe another Marvel Musings episode and we do some research and think about what might be coming in the near future. Does that sound like a good way to operate? Uh, Yeah, that does. Awesome. So do you want to rate this movie? Uh, yeah, we're doing it in uh, grades now. Okay, I'm gonna give this an A minus. All right, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give take it, it down from an A, or maybe possibly a B plus, because I would take it down from an A because of the beginning. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a B plus. Also, um, I really, really, really like the movie. Think if you're, you know, if you've been watching these Marvel movies, of course you're gonna go see it. But if you're on the fence, you know, maybe just a Spider-Man fan, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, the acting is really good. The writing was great. The special effects are amazing. Uh, it was a fun time at the theater. It felt good to be back in the cold, dark, black theater, back in the Marvel universe. Yeah. I really enjoyed being back in that world, even with, you know, it being so dramatically different than it was. And I enjoyed, like, you know, seeing some of the old folks. Uh, it was a good time. Awesome, man. What are you reading these days? I'm reading this, uh, I can't remember. I, I've forgotten the name of it, which I always get so mad at you if you forget the name of the book. <laughs> and that's because you're on Kindle. But this one, I actually have like a hard copy of the book and I just forgot the name of it. But it's an official, like, it's a Stranger Things prequel book. And I just thought that would be very cool. See, I mean, this, I got this before season three. Of course, I didn't finish it before season three comes out. And we're going to have a season three podcast. So it's cool to be at least in more knowledge of uh, the world of Hawkins. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I was pleased you picked that book out. And uh, the little bit that I've, I've either glanced at or you've read to me, I've, it seems really good to me so far. Uh, I'm still reading the Tana French book, uh, The Witch Elm. And I just kind of stopped reading it for a bit, but now I'm back on it. It's it's still been good the the whole time. It's not as um, page turner e as uh, her books that are part of the Dublin Murder Squad. And I wonder if that's because it's told from a different point of view. Obviously, all those books 
you're following along with the investigation from the detectives. And in this book, you have, you know, you're following, first of all, like a crime from the victim's point of view, kind of, and then somebody who's on the periphery of, uh, of the big crime that goes on. It's interesting. It was the first third of this book had occurred before, this is not a spoiler, this is on the back jacket, you know, eventually at this house, they find a skull. And so the big murder investigation is what happened with this skull. But that's, you get a whole third of the book into it before you discover the skull. So there's a lot of backstory and there's another crime beforehand, which kind of weakens our narrator and protagonist, kind of makes him a little bit of an unreliable narrator. His memory is suffering. So I'm a little bit done with those unreliable narrator stories. I feel like there's been so many of them. But uh, it's still a ton of French. It's still beautifully written. And it's I'm really enjoying it so far. My guess is it's going to be like the last. I'm about halfway through it now. I'm guessing the last half is just going to be amazing. So we'll give a better report on that when we're finally finally done with it. All right. Anything else to add, Hank Owl? Nope. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be giving uh, future episodes. We'll include uh, Stranger Things Season 3, which we are in the middle of. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our trip to San Francisco when we come back. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll have some other uh, episodes as well. But uh, thank you for listening. Until yeah. we meet again. Beep, beep, bubble sheep. <laughs>